This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. Those of you that know me know I like humor. I like to make people laugh. I enjoy humor. And so as I was thinking about this message today, I thought, you know, I need a good, fun story to get us going, some good humor, get us laughing, get things going. So I thought about it and thought about it for a funny story. So are you guys ready? I couldn't think of one. I'm sorry. So I mean, that's the honest truth. We are in uh, message three of our series, Plan A. And Rick asked me to share the message today. Um, something I'm very passionate about, most of you know, is uh, watching our partners. If you're not a partner at Nags Head Church and you're from another church, our partners are our members. And so I love to watch our partners dive into ministry here at Nags Head Church. So when Rick asked me to share today's message, I started to pray and think about what to share. Now, in the past, I would have shared a message about ministry to, to kind of challenge people to get out of the seat, roll up their sleeves, and do some ministry in the church. I would uh, have challenged our partners to get off the bleachers and into the game. That would have been my whole focus. But over the past, year, uh, past few years, we've seen some growth, tremendous growth, when it comes to ministry here at Nags Head Church. And as of right now, 95% of our partners are serving in ministry. Yeah. That's incredible. That's a God thing. Um, it's not that way in a lot of churches. Um, it's obviously a God thing. So w- while I was uh, encouraging you know, people to roll up their sleeves and get involved in, mer- in ministry, I thought, what should I um, do today? What should I share? So let's be honest. If, if you're like me, and if you are, it's a scary place to be. But let's be honest. In life... When we are asked to do something or presented with an opportunity, the thought crosses our mind, or we may even verbalize this thought, uh, what's in it for me, right? What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? And, and I know that's a selfish question, and, and um, some of you are thinking, Andy, you're a very selfish person. Well, I am, right? I'm a selfish person. But I'll be honest, I, I still ask that question because, like you, my time is valuable, if I'm going to get involved in something, I want to make sure it makes a difference either in my community and in in for the kingdom of Christ. I want to make sure there's something good going to come out of it. And so I ask, what's in it for me? Now, if you ask me, uh, Andy, uh, we want you to go upstairs and teach the little children. I would think, what's in it for me? A big bottle of Advil. I would rather be hit in the head with a hammer. That sounds like more fun than teaching children. That's not how I'm wired. So I would think about it, what's in it for me, and and I have learned over over time to say no to things, and sometimes people are shocked because sometimes you're asked to do something that in and of itself is a really good thing. But you have to prioritize and and do what you're most effective at and going to make the most impact at. So as I thought about uh, this, I thought, let's answer three questions today about ministry. What does ministry do? So the first question we're going to answer is this. What does ministry do for you? First of all, it brings spiritual growth. I can't grow spiritually if I'm not serving in the church. Uh, As a Christ follower, I grow as I dig into the Word and read the Bible on my own. I grow as I pray, as I communicate with God. 
I grow when I give back to God out of what he's blessed me with. Those are habits, spiritual habits, that if I'm practicing them in my life, I'm going to grow spiritually. Serving's the same thing. You know, I'm not going to grow if I tell God I'm not going to spend time in his word. There's going to be very minimal growth spiritually. I'm not going to grow if I'm not spending time with God, praying in conversation with him. I'm not going to grow if I'm not giving back to God. Same thing with serving. If I leave out any of those spiritual habits in my life, growth is stunted. Serving is a spiritual habit, and it's key to our growth. If I'm not serving, I'm not growing. Uh, so you're going to hear me say something today that we say often around Nags Head Church. Uh, we learn about it both in our Discovering Nags Head Church class as well as uh, Discovering My Ministry class, and that is this. Every partner is a minister. Every partner is a minister. Now, a couple weeks ago, I went on our Facebook partner page, and I posed the question, and I put the fill in the blank, fill in the blank. Every partner is a blank, and I got a slew of different answers. But Jack Barker, who was playing the bass today, he came up with the right answer, so he got the 20 bonus points. Every partner is a minister. Ministry is not left to the paid professionals. In a lot of churches, for a lot of time in church history, that's the way it was. We hire the pastor to do that, or we hired Ramon to, to do youth ministry so that we don't have to, right? And that's kind of the mindset of the church for many years. But here at Nags Head Church, every partner is a minister. Ministry is something each believer should be doing. Why? Because God gave us a gift to be used. God gave each one of us as Christ followers a spiritual gift to be used. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 28. It says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Obedience spurs growth. He's given us this gift to be used to serve one another. And if I'm not growing in my relationship with God because of that, it's probably because I'm disobeying God. Usually when I find that I'm not growing in my spiritual life, it's because some area of my life I am not being obedient to God. Another thing that uh, serving in ministry does for you is it strengthens your faith. Often ministry brings challenges. And challenges bring an opportunity to stretch your faith. I believe that since we have so many serving in ministry at our church, we could spend the morning uh, having people share how, sharing, share how they served in ministry and how it has stretched their faith or helped them grow in their spiritual walk with God. I'm sure we would hear lots of testimonies about that. And that's because this, um, ministry serving is not always easy. And it's not always fun. And sometimes it can be emotionally painful. And ministry can be hard. In fact, those hard times is, seems to be when we tend to lean more on our Savior. And I think it's in those times when we lean more on our Savior is the time we see more growth in our lives spiritually. I have great respect for our ministry team leaders. We have uh, several ministry teams here at Nagsad Church. Each team has a leader of that team. And they're volunteers. And I have great respect for them, and here's why. Because they're managing us, right? They're leading us. And anytime you start working with people, it gets difficult. Amen? Right? And all, some of you had a picture of somebody popped in your mind just then. Oh, yeah. Amen, brother. It can be difficult. 
And uh, I heard someone say, ministry would be great if I didn't have to deal with the people, <laughs> which is kind of a weird thought. You know, you can't, that ministry is all about the people, right? When we get so wrapped up in the task that we forget the people, we're not really doing ministry. We're just doing a job, okay? Um, so I have great respect. God's raised up leaders in our church to lead our ministry teams. And, and I know they're growing um, as leaders, and they're growing in their faith as a result of doing that. And, and I believe God's raised them up for that purpose. And so I have great respect for them leading our teams. These men and women have been placed there by God, and I don't think it's an accident. So as ministers, as members of ministry teams, as partners in Nags Head Church, we need to keep in mind that we are serving under their leadership. Um, and there's someone who, who are like you. They're a volunteer. So let's make their ministry a joy and not a pain, and I'm going to say it, not a pain in the patootie, right? Let's. I, we don't want them to wake up and go, oh, it's Sunday. i got to go to church and work with those people, right? We don't want that. We want them to wake up and go, I'm excited about this day and what I get to go do for Christ and the people that I get to serve with. So let's not make it a pain for them. Let's be flexible. Let's be supportive of our team leaders. Cinnamon Goodman um, who was handing out or greeting people in the lobby. I wasn't even paying attention to what she was doing today. But Cinnamon's been serving at Nags Head Church for a long time. And, and she's been in different ministry positions over the years. And some Sundays, uh, I've watched her. She has served in more than three ministries in one Sunday because she has a servant's heart. And when there was a hole, she was willing to jump into it and fill the hole and make sure things were taken care of. Uh, recently, we, we have revamped, and we're still kind of going through the process of revamping a little bit of our structure. And uh, as a result, uh, here's what we want. Our goal is that our guests come and have a great experience worshiping at Nags Head Church. So that when they leave, they go, wow, I, I would like to go back there. I want to go back to that church. That's our goal. And so we've been uh, doing some inspection and looking, which means some things might have to change along the way. But that doesn't bother us at Nags Head Church because we learn in, in the class when we become partners that at Nags Head Church, change happens. And we change. Matter of fact, I think we should get a new church shirt. And on the front should be our logo. And on the back, it just says change happens. And that sounds like a good shirt. Some people don't like the change. But so what we've done is as we think and start thinking about restructuring some things, at the same time, Cinnamon was able to get a glimpse of a church in Maryland who their guest services are just out of the park. They're a wow experience when you go there. And that gave her a passion to say, you know what? We should be like that at Nags Head Church. We should have it where our guests walk away and go, I want to go back there. And so now we're restructured a little bit. Cinnamon is over what we're going to call our guest services. Underneath of that are the teams that each have. Each team has a leader. We have our parking lot crew who helped you park this morning. Um, our first impressions team who opened doors for you, greeted you, shook your hand, welcomed you to Nags Head Church. And then we also have the hospitality team who poured you coffee if you went and got some of that good coffee this morning. And we have um, those teams and then our ushers who help you find a seat when you come in. Those teams are all going to fall under our guest services. And Cinnamon's leading the charge the way on that. So I asked Cinnamon this a couple weeks ago. I asked her, how has serving in ministry brought spiritual growth in your life? Now, I asked Cinnamon this because um, I've seen her grow tremendously over the past few years. 
And so Cinnamon's answer to my question was this. By serving in ministry, I feel like I grow closer to God because I know I'm serving for Him. It helps my spiritual growth because I have more desire to learn how the Lord is shaping me and why He is choosing me to do these things. So serving in ministry brings spiritual growth. Also, serving in ministry brings you joy. You should find joy in serving others. It should bring joy to your life. We're Christians. We're followers of Christ. Our goal should be to be like Christ to others, be Christ-like. And, and when we do that, that should bring joy to us, right? When we're being Christ-like, we should be like, oh, this, this is good. This is bringing me joy. And so Jesus set the, the great example of all the people on the planet. Christians should be the ones with servant hearts, should be the ones ready to serve because we're followers of Jesus Christ. John 13, 1 through 5. I want to read this event to you between Jesus and his disciples. It's a great example Jesus sets for us to be um, ministers, servants. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus set the example for us. He washed the feet of the one who would betray him. How many of us would be willing to serve the person who would do us wrong? Yet Jesus set that example to us. And so it should bring us joy when we're serving others because we're being Christ-like. It brings you joy also because you get to use the abilities and skills that God's given you. Um, when I feel useful, I feel joy. Last summer, we had our church picnic at Dowdy Park. And some of you went there after church that Sunday morning. We went and we grilled. Scott, did you grill with me? Scott grilled with me. We grilled hot dogs and hamburgers for everybody. I don't know how many we cooked, but it was a lot. And we were grilling away. I love to cook. That's where I find my joy. I love to cook food. And more than that, I love to watch people eat the food I cooked, right, and see them enjoy it. That's my love language. I don't know if it's in that book. I've never read the love language book. But if, if feeding somebody is, well, then that's my love language. Right. And so we were cooking and, and I was getting great joy out of it. And, th you know, there's not a lot of skill to cooking a hamburger. I mean, you put it on there and then you flip it. But we've all had that hamburger that somebody grilled to the point you bit it and you thought, is this beef jerky? Should a hamburger be crispy like this? Right. So I enjoyed doing that. Um, when I get to serve in that way, it brings me joy. So plain and simple, doing ministry, serving others, brings joy to your life. And also serving in ministry, you get to serve out of your passion. I have certain things I'm passionate about, and when I get to serve out of my passion or serve in an area that I'm passionate about, I experience great satisfaction. And the opposite is true. When I'm passionate about something, but I don't get to express it or use it in some way, I feel stifled. I feel like I'm being held back unfulfilled, and it's frustrating. Um, Sylvia, I talked to her this morning and surprised her, let her know I was going to talk about her. I see Sylvia out on that sidewalk on Sunday mornings greeting people. She has a big smile on her face, 
you can see Sylvia's passion for people. Sylvia loves people, and you can see it in what she does. She wants people to know Christ. She wants to minister to people. And if you hang around Sylvia for a few minutes, you'll discover this about her. Sylvia's witness to her world is her love for people. She is passionate about people, so that's why her ministry fits perfectly with who she is and how she's wired by God. She's serving out of her passion. Serving in ministry should be joyful for us as we serve. And uh, we know we've been shaped by God for serving. And we each have different gifts, passions, abilities, personality, experiences that, that should be used to encourage the church and help it grow. But, you know, there are some mornings we wake up and we have to go serve in our ministry and we're not so excited about it. I mean, that's going to happen. Sometimes you're tired. Sometimes you're worn out. So that happens every now and then. But listen, if I lose my joy for ministry altogether, I need to look at my life and figure out why. Why is it I don't want to serve others in the church? So a few ideas I have. When, when I lose joy in my ministry, I look at my calendar. Um, have I allowed myself to become too busy in life? Am I so busy in life that the busyness is causing me stress? And then that stress spills over into ministry, causing me to lose joy in serving Christ and his church. I find it interesting, if we're to be following Christ's example and serving one another, I find it interesting that Christians who become so busy, the first thing they cut out is serving, which is being Christ-like. It's a little confusing to me. So I look at my calendar. Am I too busy? What else can I cut out beside things that are going to help me grow in my faith? Uh, when I lose joy in my ministry, I look at my ministry. Sometimes we plug into a ministry because we're excited. We just want to serve. And we get on that ministry team and we realize, oh, this isn't for me, right? I would just be dreading it if I was upstairs with the little kids right now. I think I could handle babies until the diaper part. But other than that, you know, sometimes we plug into a ministry that's not our shape. And, and so there's no joy there because really we should be doing something different. And it's okay to try a different ministry. That's why at NAC said we church we say, Take a test drive. Try the ministry out. Is that what you want to do? You know, figure it out. And so maybe you need to look at your ministry. Now, don't everybody email me tomorrow and say, I've quit my ministry team. Please don't do that. It's when I say you stop serving here, that means you're going to go serve over here. Right? Follow me? Okay. Um, when I lose joy in my ministry, I need to look at my passion. And I, I believe that passion next to the spiritual gift is possibly the most important part of how God has shaped us. If I'm serving in a ministry that I'm passionate about, then that passion is being exercised in serving, and that's going to bring me joy. And when you're passionate about something, you're motivated, right? If you are passionate about that ministry, you won't burn out because when you're passionate, it keeps you going. It keeps driving you. If I've lost my joy in my ministry, maybe I need to look at my life. You know, our life purpose as a Christ follower is to bring glory to God. And part of that purpose is realizing that God wants us to serve him and the body of Christ. And so sometimes we just need to refocus. We get wrapped up on maybe what the task is and view our ministry as a job and not really viewing it as when I do this, when I change this baby's diaper, I'm bringing glory to God. And so we refocus um, our life and, and put things in perspective and how they should be. Or maybe when I lose my joy, I need to look at my attitude. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need a good attitude adjustment, right? It's easy 
um, to get your attitude out of whack. Right? Honestly, for probably for most of us. There's some people that are just like the kindest, sweetest people in the world that never have an attitude problem. You wonder how they pull that off, right? But if you're like me, sometimes you need an adjustment. And usually it's because something's rubbed us the wrong way. Someone said something that offended us. Or we're just tired. And when you're tired, that affects our, your attitude. The best attitude adjustment can be found by spending time with God in his word and in prayer and asking God to change my attitude, change my heart, God, and seek God to help you with that. Because uh, if you're not flexible in your ministry, if you're not um, dependable in your ministry, I could list a whole lot of things. If you're not those things, it's going to affect your life as well because you're going to be miserable in the way you serve. So check your attitude. So that's what ministry does for you. Let's talk a little bit about what ministry does for your church. I want to read to you from Ephesians 4. 15 and 16. It says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Underline that, own special work. God has given you your own special work to do in the church. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The church is the body of Christ. So when I serve the church, who am I serving? Christ. Exactly. Some of you are like, is this a trick question? When I serve the church, I'm serving Christ because we are the body of Christ. We help each other grow. God's gifted you and I, and we've been given the spiritual gift for a purpose. Now, in life, when we're normally given a gift... Uh, it's for us, right? You think to Christmas, you get the gift, you open it up, it's for you. Or your birthday, you open it up, the gift is for you. Now, ladies, some of you can relate to this. On Christmas, you're given that square box, right, wrapped sometimes by your husband. He uses duct tape. It's okay. And there's a bow or an attempt at a bow on that. And you unwrap it and you go, oh, how lovely, a crock pot. I've always wanted one. Thank you. Right? Husbands, we give our wife that gift. Ladies, you know, that gift wasn't for you. Right? That gift was for you to make something for everybody in the house. Right? Because picture this. This morning you wake up, you pull the crock pot out, you put it on the counter, you throw your roast in there with your carrots, your potatoes, your onions, and all that good stuff, and you plug it in and you crank it on. You come to church, right? Some of you have done this right now. Lunch is cooking in the crock pot. Any crock pot lunches going right now? Yes, I see that hand. So you get home and you walk in the house. And you know how it is when you're cooking a roast in the house, right? I'm sorry. I'm a food junkie. So you walk and you're like, oh, my. Can you imagine that? Husbands, we walk home. We go, oh, my goodness. And then your wife goes, I'm sorry. That was my gift. You, you don't get to participate in this. You gave this to me. I'm keeping it to myself. Peanut butter jelly over there. Right? We don't do that. Well, it would be fun to do, but we don't do that. But sometimes we do that with our spiritual gift, right? This may be the, I don't think I've ever used a crockpot spiritual gift analogy where they're both, you know. But we do that. Some people get their spiritual gift from God, and they don't share it with others. They want to keep it to themselves. 
And that's not the way it's to be because we, we share these gifts with each other because we help each other grow. Now, the result of a church where every partner is serving is that every partner using their gift is the result is a healthy and growing church. And, and the church where 20% of the members are doing 80% of the ministry isn't a healthy, growing church. So the partners in the church doing ministry bring health and growth to the church. That's what ministry does for your church. It brings health and growth to your church. We have experiences, every one of us. Yesterday, I was in a coffee shop down here in Nags Head, and the barista, how do you say it, barista? Thank you. Barista had an experience, and I got to witness it. In fact, I already had my drink, and I was going to go sit in the other room, but I thought, oh, I need to watch this. Life is happening. This man came in, and he, he, he said, I'm going to use the accent because he had an accent. I like to imitate people. He said, I would like a cafe mocha. And so the barista made it, and he set it down. And he took it outside and sat in the chair, and then he came right back in, and he put it down. He goes, this is not right. And the barista's like, well, when we make it, he goes, no. And he started to tell the barista how you make a cafe mocha. And, and the barista goes, well, let me fix this for you. He goes, I do not want it fixed. I want it right. That barista had an experience, right? Every day we all have experiences, right? We all have had experience, some good, some bad, some tragic, some horrible. We all have had experiences. And in the church, we get to reach into our bag of, of experiences and help our church. Sometimes we go through a painful event in our lives so we can in turn minister to someone else who will journey through that pain in their life. The woman who experiences the pain of losing her husband. Uh, she can minister to the woman who is going to through the same painful experience. The teenager who is watching their family, who watched their family explode at home because of the havoc that divorce brings to a family, that teenager can turn around and help another teenager who hears that their parents are splitting up. Uh, the couple who lost a child, they're really the only ones in the church that can minister to another couple who just lost their child. The man who hears the words, you have cancer, and he goes through the radiation, the chemo, the surgery, and he's on the other side, and he's all healed up. He's the one that can minister to the man who just heard the doctor say those very same words to him this past week. Experiences. That's what ministry does for the church. Paul describes this relationship we have with the troubles of life and how it can impact us in uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles, and this is what we need to catch, so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So that's what ministry does for you, that's what ministry does for our church. What does ministry do for our community? What does ministry do for your community? Another review from our classes 301 and 401 is missions is when we serve outside the church. So missions would be room in the inn, lifeguard dinner, 
um, those wonderful people that are going every week to the third grade level at First Flight Elementary School and volunteering their time to help kids learn to read, helping those teachers. That's, that's um, missions. That's outside of the church. Ministry is what we do inside the church when we serve one another. So, a little confusing, but how can doing ministry, serving one another in the church, impact our community out there? You see, the world is watching how we treat each other here on the inside. The people we work with are listening to how we talk about our church. They hear the stories of how someone in your connection group had a surgery and everybody else banded together and lined up the meals for the rest of the week so they could be at home and recover and not have to worry about taking care of meals. They notice when you bring home baby twins from the hospital and your front porch is loaded with boxes of clean diapers and gifts from people in the church, and they see people from your church coming over to help you hold babies, feed babies, so that you can take a nap. Your neighbors notice those things. The community is watching. We are the body of Christ. We belong to Him, and we belong to each other. What does it look like to the watching world when the people who don't know Christ, when they see the church attacking itself instead of serving and loving one another? Years ago on social media, I saw this video, and when I was thinking about this in preparation for this message, this video came to mind. So watch this video, please. Some of you are like, that's the last thing I would have expected to see in church today. <laughs> right? I'm not a veterinarian. I did work at a dairy farm. I know how to birth calves. I know how to give cows shots and all that good stuff. But I can watch that video and tell you that dog needs a pill. That dog needs help, Right? We look and we laugh, but the dog's attacking itself. When the outside world sees a church treating each other with disrespect, not loving each other, battling from within, they see that stupid dog. That's what they see. It makes no sense, right? We see that and we go, what's wrong with that dog? There are people sometimes that look at our churches in America and go, what's wrong with that church? And, and I show you that uh, just to talk about this. You know, when do most scuffles start in a church? They start at business meetings, which I'm glad we don't have. But they start that way or when someone doesn't get their own way or when something is said or done and my feelings are hurt, when I'm not flexible in my ministry and I'm laser focused on my own agenda rather than the big picture. I could go on with the list. But the point is this, just like the community notices when a church is fighting and not getting along, the community notices when a church is getting along, when a church loves the church, when a church is serving each other in the church, the community notices that. They hear about how much our kids love Sunday morning in Cowabunga Cove. And, and when they hear about that, their minds go back to their childhood when maybe grandma took them to church and they remember how much they liked that. And maybe that gets them start thinking, you know what, maybe I need to go to church. Maybe I need to get back into church. Or they start questioning about their faith. And they're wondering, what should I do? And so it, it, they, they end up in church. And it's all because 40, I think it's about 40, 40 some partners in our church love our children and serve them every Sunday morning. That's how they express their love for their church by serving. The community notices. They notice when they drive by on Sunday morning and they, they see the greeters outside shaking hands or giving someone a hug and smiles on people's faces, and they see that, and they notice our love for each other, and they begin to think, man, I haven't had a hug in a long time. 
And they start thinking about, man, maybe, that, maybe there's something to what's going on there. They see us serving one another. They see our love for each other. Studies show that a guest makes their decision whether or not they're going to return to a church within seven minutes from stepping out of their car door on the church parking lot. Seven minutes. Now, it used to be 15. Then it went to 10. But I guess it's at seven now because we want everything we want it now. We want it right away, all thanks to Google, right? So now seven minutes, all right? That's getting out of the car, walking, shaking somebody, shaking Steve's hand at the door, being greeted outside, come inside, greeted by people inside. They walk over, they get their coffee. They walk over and check their child in. They uh, come in, an usher seats them. That takes longer than seven minutes. So what's that saying? The band hasn't played the first note. The preacher hasn't spoke the first word. And, excuse me, and the guests have already decided whether or not they're going to come back to that church. All right, that's why it's so important how we treat each other and how we treat our guests when they show up. That's ministry. Um, I'll tell you the truth. Uh, when, when our twin babies, Misha and I have twins, they're now nine years old, and we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, they, were, they were premature, and so the doctor said, you can't put them in the church nursery until they're, I forgot how old, because their first nine months of their life was a blur to me. It was something like six or eight weeks. And so we came to that Sunday when we could put the twins into the nursery. And so here I came up the sidewalk with a baby carrier in each arm. That's why I have the cannons I do. And I come in, and Misha and I get in, and we go to the nursery, and we hand them off. And we came inside, and we sat down. And if you're anywhere near us, you heard this. (sighs) Right? We knew our babies were being cared for, being loved. Having their changers, their diapers changed because I was tired of it. I was tired. We we had literally, at one time, thousands of clean diapers in our thousands of clean diapers in our house just so we'd be ready. But we came in and we sat down and we were like, "Whoo!" And and it was so relaxing and so enjoyable because we knew that our church was caring for us, and and we handed those babies off, and uh, we were sitting there, and I was like, "Man, this is like a date." Right? No kids. This is a date. Oh, this is great. And I thought, oh, I might put my arm around Misha when the preacher preaches. Right? We look forward to Sunday mornings. Our friends out there knew our church cared for us and loved us during that time, and they still do. You want a witness to the community, and this might sound a bit strange, but if you want a witness to the community, then let them see how much you love each other inside these four walls. Let them see how much you love each other in your connection groups. We show our love for one another by serving each other. That's just the way it goes. Um, I tell Misha all the time that I love her. And, and husbands sometimes just say, well, how, how do you show your wife? You like, I'll tell her. It's enough. Right? I tell her all the time I love her, and I do. I mean, have you seen my wife? I love her. But I show her I love her when I clean the bathroom. I'm very fastidious about a clean bathroom. If I'm in your house, just I'm letting you know I'm taking notes. And, and I'm offering a class. But I'm, I'm about clean. But here's where my true love is shown. Doing laundry. I don't mind throwing it in the washer and starting it. No big deal. That takes two minutes. I don't mind taking the wet clothes out and putting them in the dryer. Throw in the fabric sheet. Start it up. 
That's easy. But if Misha comes home from work and they're lined up on the sofa, I don't know if that's where you do your laundry, but we fold it all in the living room. Sometimes it's a family event. But when she comes home and there are stacks of clothes piled up on the sofa or in laundry bags that have been folded, she knows her husband loves her, right? That's how I express my love. I can tell her till I'm blue in the face, I love you, but she knows it by the things that I do for her because I care for her and love her so much. Same thing should happen in the church. We express our love by serving each other, and this ultimately impacts our community. They see this going on. I want to close with these two verses. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. John 13.35, Jesus said this, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So my question for you this is, who are you going to serve today? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to get together um, as a church and worship you. Lord, I thank you that you have shaped each one of us, God, to serve you, God, by serving each other. God, you've created us uniquely as individuals, God, and you've wired us, God, in such a way that uh, we should be serving you and bringing glory to your name. I thank you to be that I'm part of a church that gets it, God, a part of a church that understands that we just don't do, do ministry just to do a job. We're doing ministry because we love each other and we want to serve each other. God, I thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray that this week as we uh, go to our connection groups or any other ministry opportunities we have today, God, that we'll jump in with both feet and just be happy to serve because we're serving the body of Christ. We're serving you. In your name I pray, amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God love others, reach the world.